0: Yep, it's been a couple of years. I just want you to be aware if this comes out as rusty as the writing of it did You're my practice group because I get to do it again next service across the parking lot <laughs> And if it's really bad that means it'll go bad twice So we're hoping for the best hoping for God's best you take your Bible with me and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, we're going to look at the first several verses today and see what God would have us to think about, look at, ponder in our own lives, see where we're at as we walk with him, especially in regard to the things that Paul is addressing here. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 8, therefore... So that means there was lots of stuff said right before this. But they only give me a little bit of time, so we're not going to get all that. If you want to get the therefore, you might want to do it later. Not while I'm talking. Thank you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, that's pretty big stuff right there, isn't it? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires and those who live in accordance with the spirit they have their mind set on what the spirit desires the mind of sinful man is death but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if you're in Christ. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Let's pray. Oh, God, this is just one of probably a gazillion messages preached from this very text. And I do not claim certainly to have it all figured out, Lord. And Lord, I need to hear this message pretty continually from you in my own life. In this day in which we live, oh God, there are many who would come against the Word of God. Satan is always at work, and he wants to not only cause those who have not come to you to keep that from happening in their life, but Satan would also desire to take our victory and take our joy and cause us to believe that because of the things that happen to us in this life, that you must not love us, that your spirit is not in us. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would dispel that lie right now in our presence and in our lives this day, that we would be able to talk about the truth from your word, for we pray it in your name. Amen. Romans 8 is arguably one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. I've heard it discussed many, many places, many, many times. I've heard it discussed in uh, preacher meetings, and you get preachers from different denominational backgrounds, and you can really have some things to do about this chapter. I hear a couple of giggles. You've been there, all right? But like a snow-capped mountain peak, it rises majestically from the plains of the Bible, boldly proclaims the life-changing work of God in a bold and powerful message that I think Paul wants us to hear today. This pinnacle chapter is perhaps the Apostle Paul's finest letter. And if I preach on another one of Paul's letters, sometimes I'll say the same thing about that one probably. Because what ministers to us as we read his word and where we are at right now is what we tend to believe God is doing in our hearts. And he's saying this to me. I pray that if you find yourself where this is is at today, this message, that you would listen and that you would respond to all that Jesus would have for you. Verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that mean there is no condemnation at all? doesn't mean that, does it? For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. If you're not in Christ Jesus today, you're in a different category than what Paul is speaking to here exactly. But if we are not careful, we can totally miss the incredible message that Paul wants to give us here. If we are to fully embrace the central message of Romans 8, We have to consider every facet of what Paul's trying to say. And perhaps no facet deserves greater attention than these two words. No condemnation. For many of us, especially those who have lived in Christ for many years, can we talk? The memory of what condemnation feels like may have faded. You know what I'm saying? You remember the zeal you had when you first came to Christ? I remember it. I was just sharing this with a group of people that I uh, find myself, I hesitate to use the word arguing, but that's probably the closest thing coming to mind about theological matters. And, And there are those who would try to say that the important thing is to imitate Christ. Just do the good things that Jesus would have us do, and you'll be okay. You'll know Jesus then. And I have had to respond on a several occasions to say, you know what? The good things are good, and they're righteous, and we should do those things, and we should imitate Christ. But if I don't have an experience with the living Jesus in my life, and I share my testimony, and I don't want to do all that today because I've done that before, and that would eat into this time. But the very moment I received Jesus Christ at age 14, I, uh, I knew I had sin. When I heard the message, I was not a church kid, hadn't been to church, but the Sunday prior to this revival meeting in a high school auditorium, and when Jesus spoke to me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through that preacher's message, I knew I needed Christ and I did not have him. It was clear as a bell. And from that instant to this very one, my life has been being worked on and worked at and infiltrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. And if you're trying to get to heaven by doing good things and trying to claim a relationship by just imitating Christ, that's got to be the most frustrating thing I can think of. We cannot take this freedom for granted. A perfect example is the current condition of our nation. I appreciated Pastor Troy's prayer just a moment ago. We are a divided nation in more than one way. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? The old United States of America was born out of a desire to be free from a tyrannical and oppressive government that did not allow for righteous freedoms, religious freedoms. Much blood has been spilled and lives have been lost to pay the price for our freedom. But alas, 250-some years later, we seem to have taken all of that for granted. And indeed, we seem to have forgotten the price of freedom. The day I received Christ, I walked out of that into the next week, I began to share with my friends what Christ had done. It was so important to me and so powerful in my life. Do you think the early colonial patriots were excited About winning the revolutionary war. I think they probably were I think they knew that there was a task before them That was going to be lifelong and god gave them a lot of wisdom to form the constitution and do these things And i'm not going to say it was easy, but there had to have been an amazing sense of freedom in that But the farther we get from those kind of times the farther we get from revival in the church the more distant All of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do and does in our lives can become kind of a faded memory if we are not careful to keep it fresh. In Romans 7, Paul states that those under sin are like prisoners already sentenced to death. Let's take a moment. Let's consider what it would be like on death row. Have you ever contemplated that? Death row means solitary confinement. It means a small cell, it means a metal bunk, it means a metal toilet and sink, a small rectangular window that's way up too high to look out of. It's bland and low quality food every day, no TV or connection to the outside world. But far greater than the physical deprivation is the impending awareness that your death is on the calendar. Think about that. I guess there's something sort of releasing to know that, yeah, I know I'm out of here someday. And, yeah, I know that that's in God's hands, and he's got it all figured out, and he knows all that. He knows the hour. He knows the day. He knows the moment I'll take my last earthly heartbeat and have my last earthly breath, and that day I will enter into heaven with him. But if you're in this other scenario, the fact that your death is on the calendar has got to be kind of weighing, don't you think? So now consider what it would be like to have that weighing on you and to be totally unexpectedly freed from that place. 1984, Juan Roberto Melendez was wrongfully convicted of murdering the owner of a cosmetology school. He was tried, he was sentenced to death, and he spent over 17 years on death row. About a third of his life. Lost or suppressed evidence was finally brought forth to prove his innocence, and he was suddenly free. Would that be amazing to be sitting in that prison cell in solitary confinement, and suddenly somebody opens the door and say, hey, man, put your name in there. You've been set free. They found out some stuff, man, and you're not going to die today. You're not going to die where the calendar says we've got your your death scheduled. And you get out of there, and you walk out of there, and there's going to be some issues with that probably, but i got to believe that Juan Roberto Melendez probably could not believe the sense of freedom that he was experiencing as he walked out of that prison cell, a free man. He said it was like my second birthday. From solitary confinement to choices, About what to wear. Where and what to eat. Whether or not to have a holiday with the family. Romans 8 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when I came to Christ at age 14, I knew I'd been set free. The Holy Spirit began to do his work. So consider again your life and your freedom in Christ. Maybe you're a brand-new uh, believer in this adventure of following Jesus. Maybe you're brand-new at it. But even if you've been a follower for many years, stop for a moment and think once in a while what your life would have been like without Jesus to have spent your life on death row. Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song several years ago now. In fact, it came out on a, on a thing he called a cassette tape I don't know everybody in here know what one of those is the title of his song was remember your chains and there was a line in there that always grabbed me remember your chains but remember your chains are gone when you're in Christ In Christ, we are free. In Christ, we have been declared not guilty. In Christ, we are not only free from eternal hell, but we are free from the bondage of our sin while we're still living this life. Never has there been more beautiful words to the one who's been on death row than, hey, you're free to go. And Paul says it in verse 1 of chapter 8. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And I say glory to God. In a spiritual sense, we can understand all of this a little. I'm not sure how we could ever wholly grasp the fact that Christ, the spotless, sinless, perfect one, would step up to take my place on skid, on skid row, death row so that I could be free. You see, there is no evidence that could set me free for I've sinned. I was guilty and I deserved punishment. Infinitely greater than the release of the wrongly accused, convicted man is the forgiveness of the one who did the deed. There is forgiveness in the cross. The amazing grace of the gospel of redemption comes only by way of the cross. For though we are guilty of sin and all the evidence stacks up against us, Christ died in my place and I should have been the one led to the executioner. My sin should have been punished, but I received a pardon. Isaiah says, He was the one led like a lamb to the slaughter to die in my place. He willingly became the blood sacrifice so that the price of my freedom and of your freedom and would be paid in full. I was trying to decide if I was going to take the time to share this, but I remember <clears throat> getting the piece of paper when Betty and I finally got our house mortgage paid off. And there was a little note in there and it had been stamped, and it said, paid in full. And not only that, there was a check for the extra money that had been held in escrow for all this other stuff. And I remember this incredible sense of freedom. That is such a great thing, is it not? You know what I'm talking about? I see heads nodding. That's a great thing. To have a huge debt like that, paid in full, is an awesome thing. Well, Jesus, the Son of God in human flesh. I don't I've I think I heard a couple hundred sermons like this or something. But to imagine myself standing before a holy God, knowing what I have done, knowing what I have thought about, what I have contemplated, what it struggled. what the struggle might have been with some unforgiveness, maybe, maybe some other sins that were in my life that maybe I'd even forgot about because I got so used to being there and suddenly you stand before the holy God. You've taken that last earthly breath and here you are. And you know you ain't. You ain't deserving. You know. And you're ready to take the punishment that's coming your way and Jesus walks up, (laughs) and he says, hey, I stepped in for this guy. Spooner's a pretty rugged character, and he did some stupid, ugly things, and he deserves eternal punishment, but I died for him. Father, could you set him free? By an act of his own will, he exchanges his place at the right hand of the Father for my death row verdict. Well, if the judgment we should receive is condemnation, but the gift of God is no condemnation. You see, the censure of the law is crushed by the cross. The truth of no condemnation is the answer to the throbbing brokenness that comes from the personal guilt of sin and condemnation. The cross of Calvary is the triumphant symbol of no condemnation for those inside the church, people who have received Christ's gift of freedom from the guilt of sin. And when we talk about the church, you know what we're talking about. We're not talking about the building on the corner of Cedar and Hughes or any other building. Where God's people are meeting today when we're talking about the church We're talking about those whose names have been written in the lamb's book of life, which have claimed the blood of Christ to set them free They found out they couldn't do it on their own They found out what Christ had to offer and he brought it to them and he wrote their names for eternity No condemnation and he takes that stand for us when we stand before The judgment seat one day praise be to God the gospel revealed in Romans 8 does not end with no condemnation but rather the the gospel reveals we are more than merely released from personal guilt we are immersed in the new way of the spirit remember the early church what was it called it's called the way Not one of the ways, not one of the possibilities was called the way, the way. Contrast that with the power of the cross, which condemns sin. So we are released from the power of sin and condemnation. And sin can no longer control us. Not our present, not our future, and not our destiny. We do not have to be controlled by sin. Because you may sin does not mean you have to be controlled by sin. That's something that needs to be worked out in the church. We don't live for God in spite of our sin and just keep on doing that. Why did Christ die? He didn't die so that we could live in bondage. He died so we could be living free from bondage. So the fact is, by dying on the cross, Christ once and for all atoned for my sin and for your sin. Though once we were condemned to death for the guilt of our sin... We now have been ultimately set free, praise God. Now we must remember that the world we live in is still controlled by sin. But because we now are controlled by Jesus, we are not condemned. We are, care- we are free, and we're free to run, and we're free to live, and we're free to love in Jesus' name. If anybody tries to mess that up for you, tell them to go look up the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Unfortunately, many believers live without the blessing that comes with this promise of the cross. Faulty interpretations of Scripture, human frailty, worldly pressure, they're all excuses for personal wrongdoing. I was talking to a friend of mine that I've reconnected with on Facebook, and he, uh, he's changed his thinking on many things, I think, sadly, to the wrong His daughter had told him she was choosing the homosexual lifestyle and uh, had a partner. They got married. And instead of holding up the truth for her, what he has done is he has started to read of all the scientific reasons why it's okay. And there are plenty of those kind of places to find out there. But if we do not love enough to hold up the truth in incredible love, you know, sometimes the truth is not accepted, even by those we try really desperately hard to love. But we fail them if we don't hold up the gospel. We fail them. It isn't judgment. It isn't that we use it to bang people over the head. If I ever catch you doing that, I'm going to talk to you about it. If you ever catch me doing that, would you talk to me about it? Not all in one week. Okay, just you know, scatter it out amongst yourselves. That would be nice. Not all at once. But now, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, these excuses can't hold water. And they're really nullified. You see, we must have an understanding conversation about the effects of sin. For when sin is condemned in our hearts, we are truly set free from the power of it, sin, to condemn us. When Christ is ours and we are his, our minds are directed toward the Spirit's ways, and we experience life and freedom, not bondage. And I want to ask you today, if you're living in bondage, you, you gave your heart to Christ, you know you're a Christian, you know your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you're struggling with sin. I want you to ask yourself the question, why am I struggling with this sin? Why does it have this hold on me? Why do I let it keep hanging around when I know it brings me into bondage? Well, Paul the Apostle goes further here in a message of freedom. He says, once because of our sins, we felt abandoned and lost. But now in Christ, our spirits and our emotions are renewed by this new divine connection with the one and only God who loves us immensely. You see, God is crazy about us. (laughs) The first time I heard that term, I thought, wow, that's kind of a, a new way of looking at it. And I wasn't sure it was totally relevant as I thought about the word crazy. And it's got different connotations, I understand. But when I think about it, what would it take for a loving Heavenly Father to say, Jesus, you know, someday we're going to have a world full of people. And they're going to need you and I. And the, plan, the only plan I can come up with is that you're going to have to leave heaven. You're going to have to go down there and walk among them, and you're going to have to go to a cross and sacrifice your life for them. Just so you know, I'll be bringing you back to life. <laughs> what a conversation! Crazy love. That's crazy talk. Would you give up your only son like that? You'd say, No, that's crazy. That's nuts. But that's what God did. And once we were struggling and we were alone and we were imprisoned and we were on death row and by our spiritual failures we got there. But now we're welcomed with open access to the throne of God. Why? Because we're so hot? No. Because we were good enough? Not even. No, but because we accepted the gift of God for our salvation, and he's done it all, Satan and his condemnations were defeated when Christ said, Wait, I'll take his place. I'll take her place. And he died on that cross. But he rose from the dead. He walked out of that tomb of condemnation. And you know, that's what that tomb represents, doesn't it? The tomb represents condemnation. But now he reigns with God in heaven, and you want to know what I think? And actually, it's a little late to ask that question now, eh? (laughs) I think God watches the travails of the hopeless ones here below. But not only is he just watching, he is intimately and intricately involved in our everyday affairs. Don't ask me how, got no idea But by his spirit, because of his son, God himself is living (laughs) living within you. Living within you. Wherever you go, if you know him, he's with you. And when we are brought into his presence, his power and his purpose, our spirits become alive to his righteousness. That's an incredible triumph that we have through Calvary's cross. There is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, by the Spirit, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. So let's contemplate a couple of thoughts here, a couple of questions. And I kind kind of want you to turn in and and just sort of draw a circle around you. Try not to think about somebody you know. Man, I hope so-and-so is listening today. I want you to think about this in your apartment. If the cross could be viewed as a portal, so to speak, and this side of the portal offers freedom, freedom from the bonds of sin, which... Always delivers pain and struggle and hopelessness, lack of peace and hope for tomorrow. You show me one sin that does not, and I'll eat my hat. I have lots of hats, though I get to choose. So have you made the decision to step through the cross? Have you ever made the decision to step through the portal in faith believing to trust Jesus to walk with you? to redeem your soul second question if you're a believer today and your name's written in the lamb's book of life and you walk with christ and you spend time with him let me ask you are you enjoying freedom in christ or do you struggle with the no condemnation be honest sometimes i do it's going to be honest with you So I need to hear messages like this once in a while. I need to read Scripture. Either of these questions can be resolved by accepting the fact that God's love and that he loves you. You see, there is a twofold mission and purpose to knowing Christ, to know him and to make him known. But if we cannot grasp, at least in concept, that no condemnation means life or hope for eternity. We cannot share the Lord rightly with this world. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your head where you are. I don't know how this scripture affected you today. I don't know how the words that I wrote down and so rustily presented to you today could have affected you. But it could possibly be that there's someone here today that really needed to hear the message from God's Word. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And it might be that you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've not made the step. I'm not even close. I'm not inside the no condemnation circle. Well, that can be cured quite easily in just a moment here today as you admit that you are a sinner you're born that way it wasn't that you meant to do it but then you had some sins also that you know are present in your life and if you could take just a moment and say lord would you forgive me and help me walk righteously and help me walk towards you And receive the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. to not let sin be a bondage and drag me down all the time. I want new life in you, Jesus. If you want that today, you can have that. And this altar, it would be open. I'm not going to do a big deal about that. But if you would like to come and pray here today, you're welcome to do it. And if that's what you want to pray about is knowing Christ and walking out of here today knowing that your name is written in that Lamb's book of life and that one day when all eternal things come together that you will not be held accountable for your sin. Christ took it. If you want that, talk to God. But if today you are a believer here and you know your name's written, but you've got sin in your life that continues to hound you and drag you down and it's given you bondage, I want you to know something. Satan is a liar. And he will use anything in his divisive mind to drag you down and take your hope and your joy and your victory away. Can't steal your salvation, but he can sure make it not a lot of fun. Maybe you're in that boat today. Maybe you needed to hear the message, there is no condemnation if you're in Christ. Father, your plan is absolutely the most amazing thing. And in and of ourselves sometimes, Lord, I think we try really hard to devise all kinds of excuses for ourselves, all kinds of Scientific reasons why our behavior is just fine. But in the end, Lord, sin destroys our lives. It just destroys us. And Christ died on the cross that we would not have to put up with that. Father, I I fear that there are many believers who would be so much freer if they would just remember the words every day. Christ is our defense. There is no condemnation if we are in him. Thank you, Lord. Your plan is amazing. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We ask that you would work in the lives of your people, that we would be free, free to run, free to love, free to live for the king of kings amen well have a nice day if I wasn't so rusty I'd have had you stand for that prayer and you could just walk out already standing but since I'm a little rusty now you got to get up and walk out